Welcome to Everyday Meeple. I, uh, I'm your co-host, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hi, Steve. Welcome to Everyday Meeple. That's what you just said. That's what Where I said. Everyday people talk, talk about ev- everything Meeple. Good. Thank you. A, there's a lot of stumbling over each other, but we've finished I think each other's. Will forgive us that. Sandwiches. Yeah. That's a classic. Thank you. I was hoping you were going to say that. Um, how's it each going? Each other's board game moves because we're al- alpha gamers. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. No, we're not. No. 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 I had That's... something to say about alpha gaming at some point. I think. Do you? Yeah. Oh man, I I felt bad for bringing it up. I no. felt like I oh, don't talk about negative oh, things i'll tell you somewhere where there is no alpha gaming in solo games wait no maybe you beat yourself up i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i i think there's very little of it in deck building deck building what a fascinating thing let's talk about that then well currently i am uh unbuilding my physical deck out in my yard Oh yeah, that's. Uh, have you ever seen the deck building deck building game? I have actually stumbled across that. Yeah, I've never played it. But it's good to differentiate. That that's a good way to start. Start here is that we're not talking about physical decks in your yard where you sit and barbecue and nobody have found snacks. us for that. Uh, you never know. Nobody. A, a Google oh, the search. deck building episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Finally, someone's going to go into the detail of a building. Decks in your yard. Everyday meeple. I don't know what that means, but man, I want a nice pergola. <laughs> yeah, so we're not talking about that. We're talking about building a deck of cards as a as a mechanism in, in board Inside games. of a board game. Yeah. Or card game, really. Uh, or card some board game. games, some card games. I don't know. I like to use board game generically now. Yeah. For ta- all sorts of tabletop games. But uh, there are people out there who are sticklers. Mm-hmm. And would be like, well, that doesn't have a board. It is not a board game, and you know that's fair. I, I can, I can appreciate that. But yeah, I tend to refer to games without actual boards in them as board games. To me, I'm I I have a thing where if it's not like a deck of playing cards, right. it's probably a board game to me. If yeah. someone has gone out of their way to put a theme <laughs> onto that deck of cards and made it something. Uh, slightly beyond, you know, a fifty-two card standard deck. Yeah, totally. That's that's my world now. Well, yeah, some of the games we're going to talk about, I'm sure, today are are just cards and have no board. But man, they come in big boxes and they exude board game. It's true. Uh, I remember we I remember we talked about this um a, a few years back. Maybe maybe it's only a couple of years, but when we taught each other kind of how to play Race for the Galaxy. And how big that box was. I think we talked about that. How the box was so big for, for just the little deck of cards yeah, that was in there. that's true. And, you know, it was, a, I feel like, a testament to designers saying exactly what you just said. Well, hey, I put a lot of thought into this theme. You're in space here. You're not just playing with a 52 deck of cards. You're in space. That's like a 200-card deck. That thing is it's a big deck. Yeah, yeah. No, but what I'm saying is this isn't just a deck of cards, a no. regular deck of playing cards. You're Let's in space. Let's transport you. And this box is bigger, so it's a board game now. Yeah, that's probably that's probably true. That's probably one of the big reasons behind all the big boxes and empty spaces. Make you so. feel like it's so much more than a deck of cards. Yeah. Or it's just that that was the standard box that Rio Grande had at the time, and that's, they saved that's money awesome. by not making a smaller box. Hmm. This, this could be. Could go either way, but that's not yeah. our conversation. 
No. That's a different conversation. Uh, you want to talk about deck building. I love deck building. I wanted to make sure that we differentiate right off the bat. Uh, to me, and this is another thing that uh, does get um, muddied. Uh, yeah. Magic the Gathering uh, is sort of seen as the great granddaddy of deck building. Right. But, but to me, is not a deck building game. So when we talk about a deck building game, uh, Magic the Gathering, you take all of your cards and you fashion a deck and then play a game with it. Where when we're talking about deck building, we're specifically talking about a game that during the game is when you're building your deck. It's not a game where you build a deck and then play a game. It's a game that the main, one of the main mechanics in it would be putting that deck together as you play. Yeah, absolutely. And I would Uh, think I I often hear people refer to the magic, the, the gathering style as deck construction. But oh, yeah, yeah I, I, see, I have uh, books and, and blogs that I've been reading and oftentimes it gets lumped in with deck building. Yeah. And, and that, that always seems weird to me since, since you don't actually uh, build a deck during the game, that it'd be weird that it would be referred to when talking about a deck building mechanic. But I can see it because, I mean, in order to play the oh, game, yeah. you have to build a deck and that's half of the fun for for a lot of people is is actually figuring out what to put in their decks to play yeah. the game unless they're unless you're playing one of the blind draw type tournaments where you just open a bunch of stuff and and play from there right those could be considered some kind of deck building yeah well not really it's the same thing you just i was just saying you don't you're not putting the thought into it you're just right. playing with what you're given and and you go i was just, yeah, I, I was just talking about the fun that you might have thinking of what to put in your deck hmm. when that's not not really there whenever you blindly open a, a thing and, and go and it's not exclusive to magic either it's uh i'm not those... trash talking magic i don't want to no, uh, god it feels like i love magic i yeah no, no but I... what i'm saying is it is there's lots of you know uh collectible card games or living card games of fantasy flight uh had, had put on their games like lord of the rings or arkham horror where yeah you buy a core uh box and you have a, a deck of cards in there and you can kind of craft a couple decks out of it but they keep releasing more booster packs and more expansions. And yeah, you don't play that game with a starting hand and make your deck better over the course of the game. You construct a deck before you even start playing. And then that's your deck for the game. Whereas what we're going to talk about deck building, we start with a lot in a lot of games, the same starting hand. And like you said, the main mechanic is we are adding more cards to our deck throughout the game and, and building what will hopefully be a better, more efficient deck that nets us usually victory points of some sort or some yeah. other kind of win condition. Usually, yeah, it depends on the game. There's there's yeah. uh, ones that are race games and right area control. You, you points or you mm-hmm. win some but way to win. Deck building. When I go digging around for it, um, and I'm sure you you've stumbled upon the same kind of research that I have is um, kind of what we just said is that players this BGG has players play cards out of individual decks seeking to acquire new cards and to play through their decks iterative, iteratively, improving them over time through card acquisition. Hmm. There's a dictionary definition. Um, and then the category, well, we'll get into the next, I'm not going to go to that next part. but Yeah, I think the grand uh, umbrella terminology is a pool building game. Yeah. And then it breaks down into deck building or bag building or dice building. And mm-hmm. yeah. 
Uh, I, I, we, we've actually talked about, uh, we tried to do this episode before and we had <laughs> horrible technical uh, failure that uh, it got lost. So Steve and I had an hour where we actually went through this whole conversation and it felt so much smoother than it does now. And uh, I went into the history of Magic the Gathering. I went into the history of Dominion because I like uh, that sort of stuff. And now I just feel like, uh, well, we've already talked about that. Let's move, move on. But no, we really it's... haven't. Uh, and so I, I really should uh, point it out where uh, it's in 1995-ish where... Yep. Uh, Richard Garfield had gone uh, to Wizards of the Coast, who at that time was one guy. It was Peter Adkinson. And I don't know if I said that right. Adkinson? Adkinson? I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But it was basically him uh, trying to publish uh, role-playing game material uh, almost by himself at the time, I think. And Richard Garfield had had approached him with uh, Robo Rally and kind of said, uh, this is what I would like to to publish are you interested and they said well peter said uh we can't afford that that's that's a board game that's so much stuff we can't really do it so the way the story goes is is he suggested can you know i would be interested in something smaller something that people can play at uh conventions and and things like that and uh richard garfield i guess had been playing around in his head since he was young uh with this magic concept of uh, the five different terrains giving the five different types of magic. And he incorporated that into this uh, trading card game where he thought, well, you know, what if you could just trade cards kind of thing, like, uh, like hockey cards. Right. And he brought that to them and, you know, it, it blew up. It, it became uh, the game that saved an industry basically where it became yeah. the lifeblood of, of, game stores everywhere where no matter how dark things might have been mags at the gathering could keep a store open just on that premise alone where there were there was a new core set there was new cards coming oh, out all the time they were coming out in different rarities so that you know like a, a black lotus card from the mm-hmm. first generation is like a twenty thousand dollar or higher card today and you can't you can't find them so Crazy. it just became this this phenomenon and it took the world by storm and you know really gaming is nothing now without paying tribute to, to what Magic the Gathering, what Richard Garfield did. Oh, absolutely. And, and then from that, uh, Donald X. Vaccarino uh, built Dominion, built the, took the concept of, of putting your deck together, which was a fun mm-hmm. thing, and, and thought, well, you know, what if we put that as the game and uh, play-tested Dominion and, and built out Dominion for a long time and brought that to Rio Grande. Well, he brought something like 20 games uh, to a convention to meet with uh, the fellows from Rio Grande. Wow. And they ended up publishing uh, Dominion and Monster Factory the same year. And right. in, in like two years, Dominion won like 30 awards. And like yeah, they, it won the Spiel de Jar. It won, uh, I think, Origins. It won any, any major thing in the next couple of years. I told you at the end of uh, the last time we talked that it actually won a Diana Jones Award for right. excellence in gaming, which is, I mean, that is a spectacular award to win just for the fact of the peculiarness of it, the rareness of it. It's an award that gets, you know, uh, anything game related can be nominated. And if it's something that the judges who are like secret panel of judges from the industry uh, feel has changed gaming enough, then it can yeah. win the award. Like a couple of years ago, uh, I've mentioned it on the show before where uh, the concept of live play uh, videos mm-hmm. for RPG one and like 
I think Eric Lang actually won one year, which is amazing too. Uh, Unrelated, but also amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the nutshell of what I try, I expounded on last time. And I probably was really long winded about it before. (laughs) So maybe it's good that that episode got lost to the ether. Well, it's important to, there's no way you, we can't talk about Dominion and, and, um, you know, when I was saying that we, our research probably led us to the same place, the first place you're going to land when you go looking in the deck building is Dominion. Um, there's, there's just no way around it. Although in, in preparing for this episode and listening to some other podcasters talk about, um, deck building, uh, Jeff Engelstein, he actually named a game called and vgg doesn't have it listed as a deck builder but he kind of claims it it is i think it's called austin poker you ever heard of this one not yet (laughs) well he he claims that that one is uh is the first deck builder that that he ever played and it's a 2004 game by alan d ernstein or ernstein um and yeah like i said vgg has it has it listed as a bluffing card game but it's basically poker but you get to add cards to your hand that could improve your poker hand throughout the game. This is the only little spin on just basically a poker game. It's a, there's a, some sort of um, market. Anyways, he just, I think he, there would be a, for it. there'd be a weird thing where, uh, and I, I don't know how the game works to me. The, the one thing that would separate it would be, if you're taking the cards, making yeah. your hand better, but that becomes your own pool. Right. You know, like it seems like in a in a deck builder, one of the main things that happens is those become yours and your next hand comes out of those cards again. So that might be why it's not listed as deck builder because typically with a poker game, those cards are a common pool. And whenever you discard, it would go back into the common pool and you wouldn't be building your own deck. If you're building your own hand, you know, that would make Uno a, right. a deck builder, which it's right. not. And I, and I, no, I don't know. I, I mean, there's prob- probably something to it, but you're probably right that they do end up going back into a common pool, but I think maybe he was naming it. And like it, it says here on inspiration. The, yeah. Well, it, players have the opportunity to purchase bonus cards in the order that they finish their poker face turn to add to, uh, and those bonus cards can count toward victory points required to win the game. So you're kind of adding these point cards to it. You know, I don't think it's, it's interesting. It I, yeah, it's interesting. I haven't it's looked at of, it. I've never heard of it. So yeah, I want me neither. To see it's it. like a an interesting spin. I'm not much of a poker player, so it doesn't really interest me to go try it. But it's kind of neat that uh, there was this kind of mechanic to buy bonus cards after your turn to add to your to your deck before Dominion. But obviously, Dominion is a bit of a different and different beast in that um, it really tried to take what's happening in magic the gathering and kind of what's the word i'm looking for just kind of dilute it or just like put a focus on it that you can play it in uh, that experience in 45 minutes to kind of build this deck over a short time uh also to his credit is that the game has nothing to do like it there's nothing uh similar you know Mm -hmm. to magic the gathering so he didn't he didn't make a a wizard battle game right. out of it as a first off. Like it's, it's really just explores the mechanic and what that mechanic can do. Like it's a very bare bones nowadays because deck deck builders took off so much and we have so much variety in what deck building can be. Mm-hmm. His was a very, it was like a blueprint of, of how to make a deck building game 
that became well it became the blueprint for how to make a deck building game right so it it presented the market uh of what cards you can buy it presented even the the five card hand which is becomes a very common thing where you start off with 10 cards in your deck uh everybody has the same 10 cards and your first hand is five and like if you go and read his his uh design diary sort of things even even that was like really well thought out where he was originally trying to come up with several different resources and they boiled it down to to just the the gold and then how to how to work that and how to make a starting hand Mm -hmm. and uh, i think it ended up being like there's seven and three for there's the three victory point cards that clog your hand right right from the beginning and then the five cards lets you make sure that you have at least two hands before your stuff gets shuffled again and there's a lot of neat stuff went into that and like oh totally the 10 card market that was a thing where he just wanted to see uh, what cards were working so when they started testing the game they just put all the cards out to, yeah. to see if they could spot some stuff that was broken and they ended up liking it so much that you could buy all of the cards at once right know, everything was there and it makes the game really interesting where uh, you pick and choose what cards you want to play with and then you lay them out in the market and from turn one you have all this open information where you can start strategizing and a lot of games don't have uh, that that open right from the beginning yeah where you can actually plan uh, almost the whole, whole way through what you're going to do for the next five five six turns because you know exactly what you need to do and you can see everything that's available and you can start sort of figuring out your turns. And then the only thing that's just what order you get your cards dealt to you. And it's really, it's a really fun yeah. system and changing those cards that are available, change the feel and the style of the game. And like, Oh, absolutely. That's it, yeah. And to me, I think that is my favorite part of deck building and kind of what hooked me into this type of board game was that open information was that market space where once you get to know how to play the game, because the first time you play the game, you're just like, oh, on my turn, I can play these cards and I add more cards to my deck. You are just going to blindly add cards to your deck unless you, at least for me, the first time I played a deck builder and played anything like it. Um, But after you get the hang of it and you're looking at this market and this open information, it's really fun to look at the available cards and say, what kind of deck am I going to build here to win the game? You know, and for me, one of the, the, the moment where it just clicked for me was the village card. I think it is um, where, you know, I think it's a simple enough card. I think you get to draw another card and you get a bonus action. So it's like, it's just increasing the length of your turn and adding more to your turn. And that kind of chaining and comboing that, Oh, all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I have the village card comes up. Oh, I get another card and I get another action oh, what if I draw another village card? And then you do, oh, I get to draw another card and another action. You have this, you know, really long, pleasurable turn that just, you know, fires off so much uh, good stuff in my brain. That that kind of chain, chaining and comboing is one of my favorite things to do in board game. It's not exclusive to deck building, but it can really happen. Uh, it can happen a lot in a good deck, you know? Yeah, I know. I can, I can, I hear you. I know what you're saying and it's and dominion started that and it made it so simple where you have two actions on a turn well sort of you can yeah. do an action <laughs> and you can buy and then every card that you get is going to change that a little bit so mm-hmm. every, every card that comes in your deck you play it it's going to change those rules a little bit so the rules to dominion are so simple and then the cards 
uh, add so much more depth on top of that. And that's why it won the Spiel de Jahr, where the Spiel de Jahr is a, is like a family weight yeah. uh, game prize, but really, and uh, the whole sort of concept behind that is not, and we've talked about this before, where uh, whenever you go to like the origin awards and stuff, those are games and awards at aimed at gamers where the Spiel yeah. de Jahr is aimed at, sort of the whole population where it's aimed at can a family who's never really played games buy this game and have a good time. And, you know, Dominion's rule set is so simple. Yeah. You, you know, you have these two things that you do and then depending on what cards you play with, it changes those rules and adds more and more depth. So yeah, absolutely. Um, to me, it's amazing that, that a game that has that much depth, uh, one, whenever games like, uh, you know, Lama and King Domino are, are what are winning. And then you see something like Dominion, which nobody really thinks of as the same weight of game. Um, and maybe it's just the, because there's so much to read on the cards, you know, like yeah. most Spiel de Jar games, I will pick up and play with my seven-year-old daughter because I know that it'll go over, but I can't play Dominion with, with my seven-year-old daughter yet. No, and I think the other element uh, of that gives Dominion some more depth is once you start playing these deck builders, you figure out that a real strategy in playing them is is sometimes less about building up your deck uh, and more about thinning your deck and getting rid of kind of your starting cards. So as you're adding better cards, finding a way to get rid of the the clog, and that that's not an easy thing to do sometimes because you know our brain wants to just keep at spending our, our our money on our turns and and adding to our deck, but there's a real strategical kind of play to thinning a deck that I'm still not very good at because I like adding more than removing. I have a hard time getting rid of cards. It also ends up being one of the sort of downsides for Dominion where because it's been around for so long and people have loved it and played it for so long that when you try and introduce a new player to that, there's such an advantage. Yeah, uh, Like Rob and Melissa are the first people I played it with and you know they can beat me anytime we play every time because Mm -hmm. they're so used to it and like doesn't matter what cards come out they're going to be able to figure out what what works best Mm -hmm. and it's it doesn't make it less fun i have a great time uh, just trying to keep up trying to trying to get there you know even close so it's it's still super fun but but that's because i love games so much so i would hate Mm -hmm. to like introduce it to somebody uh, it just there can be a real heavy advantage for someone who's played it a lot to introduce it to someone who has never played it yeah and so I, mean, I think the beauty of dominion still is the uh, variety of expansions out there which i've barely played any and the one other time that we played dominion together because we i think we've probably me and you have probably only played it once together was at dave's and dave had an expansion i never played before and i think he took out a set of uh, 10 cards that i had never none of us had seen before me you andrew a couple people who've never played the game and to me that was a really fascinating experience because all those cards were new it was kind of like it was just a brand new game you know it's fun and and either him or rob they have uh they have sort of games that they've developed with friends where yeah. it's different combinations and they have like or friends had passed them along and like try this group and they've named them with different, uh, different names and stuff. And it's like, yeah, we're going to try this group together. And like super fun. What a, it still holds up box to explore. And there's so many uh, expansions, but like I was saying, that might be a a bad jumping off point for some people, but there are ways to get there that are so much easier. Mm -hmm. Right. There's like gateway 
gateways to deck building. Yeah. Ways to learn deck building that are super easy, that give you the same concepts. Games like Quest for El Dorado or, or Paperback or... Right, Paperback. Uh, what do you have? You have, you must have a lightweight. Clank's um, easy, but I don't want to put it right there. Yeah, I got the probably the the one for me, the, uh, Harry Potter, the Hogwarts Battle. Harry Potter. Uh, I brought up paperback because I didn't even think of it last time we talked. Where uh, I bought paperback years ago because well, I bought it from Melissa because she loves Scrabble so much. Right. And paperback is is the Scrabble of deck building where. Right. You start off with 10 cards and they're like basic letters and vowel. And, uh, and then you build a word. And as you build your word, uh, you get a certain points and then you use those points to buy better letters for your deck and you buy vowels. And some of the letters and vowels have different uh, effects. So yeah. if you make a word with them, it'll like double your points or, you know, it's really similar field Scrabble. Totally. But, but is all an introduction to deck building and it's it's super fun it's <laughs> it's impossible for me to win um you know melissa plays scrabble yeah, me every day of her life and i can't i can't make a five letter word so yeah uh, I, but it's super fun i really enjoyed paperback uh, for someone who is prone to uh slow slow turns some analysis paralysis paperback's a tough one for me because uh th- the one difference in <laughs> that makes it different from Scrabble for me is that Scrabble, you only have the wild, uh, Oh God, it's been so long since I played Scrabble. You get wild tiles, right? That's a blank. Yeah. Yeah. Blank. Um, but those are kind of rare in a Scrabble bag. I think there's like two maybe. Right. Whereas in paperback, uh, a lot of your hand of cards or or a lot of cards in your deck are, are blanks are wilds. So sometimes you can have a draw where you might just have two letters and, and four, wilds and you then can the end up with five five wilds yeah and i mean that sounds amazing on the outside we're like oh great i'll just spell any word i want but then when you're trying to puzzle out your your best your best word with what you've got i can re- remember playing with you guys and taking a long time <laughs> i end, i end up just spelling the same word over and over again because i can't it's the same <laughs> problem i'm just like oh here's these letters again okay it's it's that word again <laughs> right yeah <laughs> Watch an episode of The Office the other night where um, Aaron, the secretary, was playing Scrabble. She was trying to beat her boyfriend because that's how they choose uh, who gets to pick out the movie on the weekend. And all her, uh, she just kept spelling like moo and cow. And uh, she just could not break out of that. That was a word every time. And basically, yeah, Pam and Oscar were like, you know, it can, doesn't have to be about cows, right? Um, but yeah, sometimes you just go for what you know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not saying you just spelled moo and cow over and over again in paperback. I didn't, I, they were actual words. <laughs> actual right. words. Um, Quest for El Dorado is uh, an, another game. I don't know that it's one. I must have it open here. It was nominated, I think, for the spiel, wasn't it? It had to have been close. Yeah, I'm pretty What's sure. It might have been the same year as Azul. Which well, might have... explain not winning. Yeah. Uh, it won some. It was, uh, yeah, Spiel the Jar nominee in 2017. Uh, Golden Geek nominee, Maple's Choice. Giacomo Del Anno nominee and winner. So it did win an award, but uh, it's a Rainer Kinesia deck building race yeah. uh, across this jungle uh, terrain through over mountains, through deserts, cross jungles. And it's a great one where you're, 
you're building your hand. Uh, there's three different terrain types and, and three different uh, tools basically to mm-hmm. access each of those. And as you're playing, you're moving a meeple across uh, the board and it's a, it's a changeable map. So you build a new map every time and then, and then you race and uh, you can secondarily buy from the market. So you get the gold is used as a type of movement, but it also can buy new cards and you can combine any two other cards as a single gold. So you slowly build up your gold, you buy new cards, shuffle them back in your deck and you keep moving. And then you, you race to the end of the board. And uh, <clears throat> it's a game that I've been playing with, with my seven year old and, and it's such an, and the first time we played, I was worried about the complex cards. So we right. played with a really short market so that I could explain how buying cards worked. And the mm-hmm. longer we played, she kept wanting to buy other cards. So I ended up slowly adding in more and more cards as we played. But as a gateway to deck building, it's it's almost ideal. You only It's only a four-card hand, so you start with a small right, deck yeah. of eight, and you deal four cards. And one of the one of the rules of the game is that you play each card separately. So you play one card at a time. And the reason mm. that that happens is the way that the movement works. <clears throat> if there's a space that needs, say there's a machetes, paddles and gold. And if it needs three icons, you can't play three cards to make up for a three. Right. You have to play something strong enough uh, to go there. So you can play a three paddle and it would go onto a three paddle space or it would go mm-hmm. on to three single spaces or a combination like two and one, but you can't play three cards that are all ones to go on to a three space. So you have to play each card individually, deal with it, uh, except for buying. You can play all of your cards to buy something from the market. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and it's really neat. It's a great game. It works incredibly smoothly. Uh, it's It's super accessible to anybody and it teaches all of the... You know, you could play that with somebody till somebody's uh, having a great time with that. And then if they could read, pitch them Dominion and, and they'd be yeah. off and running because they would get the concepts uh, so much better. It's really cool. I mean, we played a, t- a ton of that when you guys first got it. And uh, what I was talking about a little while ago about those chains and, and combos that you can get in deck building um, that are really fun. In El Dorado, those are amazing if you can pull them off because you have this other spatial element to work with with your meeple on a board where if you can chain uh, you know a, a five forest i don't know what the cards are called off the top of my head but basically they can zip you across the map like you can move you know, half a dozen or eight spaces and just z- fly past your opponents it's super satisfying if you get your your right hand in that game and i i find you know again what we were talking about thinning your deck because the well, the market's small and, and your four your four card hand, if you you can thin out your deck, you can get a really efficient deck in that game that yeah. just gets you moving across the map in a different way than most other deck builders I find. I've I've I feel like I've almost broken it where I have it now when I'm playing uh and I don't do it when I play with my seven year old because right. I, it's not as fun. But uh when I play against other people, I I stay back and I thin my deck down till I have the seven cards that I want. And then I can catch up like so fast and pass right. people and win. And every time I've done it the way that I, I feel like it works the best I've won. Right. And, and so we actually stopped playing it for a long time because I, I just, just started winning all the time. <laughs> and it's not a, it's not a brag. It's just, uh, it seems like 
if you and if other people catch on and i you know yeah. I, sh- I show at the end of the thing this is the cards that i used uh then it becomes a, a crazy fast race and, it, and so it's not a break in the game it doesn't mm. it's just yeah, yeah. uh this this strategy if no one else is doing it mm. uh, you know you get one big this card one big that card one big that card and then a, a draw two card and like once you have seven cards in your hand uh every time your draw card comes up you have all of your cards in your hand yeah, yeah. so uh, you just get to play them all every turn i wonder if the expansion with the curses which seem to feel like yeah, a, bit of a negative expansion i wonder if that's what they're what they're doing there is trying yeah, to slow, that down, that, slow really, down the race really seems to just add uh, speed bumps to things more than yeah more than new stuff to do it seems to add uh problems yeah so it, it may be but it's um, something else I want to mention that you reminded me of talking about playing your cards one at a time in Eldorado. We didn't mention and talking about Dominion, but another one of those things that Dominion established was playing your hand. Like what, what you draw, you play on that turn and discard it all, um, which is kind of interesting. Eldorado, you can keep your cards. Right. So so as more deck builders came along in the in the come in the past decade, um, some have decided to keep decade. that. Some... Oh, that's that's comedy. That's a pun. Uh, what? De- decade. <laughs> oh, deck. Right? Oh, yeah, there you go. Mercy. Horrible joke. Um, but yeah, some have decided to keep it. Some have 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 uh, found other ways around it. But interestingly enough, another game that I would consider a gateway game, and I've played. This is the first deck builder I played with my kid, uh, and I played with my family as well. Is this Harry Potter? hogwarts battle which is based on you know a very popular book and book series and film franchise and it has the film kind of art and uh characters and actors and stuff all over the board and cards but this game similarly you have a starting hand if you pick harry potter you, he has uh mostly the same hand as the other player you're playing with but i think they have two unique cards each um and what it does kind of differently but is is great for gateway um introducing especially to kids is when you play your card you get something from you either get income kind of like it's not called gold i think it's called influence in harry potter but they're they're little silver tokens so they look like currency you play that you take the influence and you put it on your player mat when you play attack you take little lightning bolts and put it on your player board um so it even removes this idea that you got to just play your hand and do all do the math of five or seven cards and you just put all these tokens on your map, play all your cards and then you spend the tokens and do what you can do, which I think is a really, I think most adults in playing that game would, would stop doing that really quickly, but playing with, with kids, it's, it really teaches them what, you know, what your cards are doing. And it's a really, really neat element. And it's a cooperative game, which is kind of fun. You know, you don't have to beat your kid. You can kind of win or lose together. Well, that really adds to the the gateway quality of it too, because you can play it with your kids, you can play it with whoever and, and help out as you go. So. Yeah. And it's, uh, I do recommend it for, for anyone who's a fan and I haven't played through it all yet because we're slowly getting through the book series, uh, but it's broken. It's not a legacy game, but it's kind of camp, it's like five campaign style. Or- it's seven chapters seven. with the first two being very much tutorials. You don't have, even have to play them. They're so easy to win, but they definitely teach you the ropes. Again, you'd probably play them with kids. If I was playing with you, I would start at chapter three and we would just include everything from chapter one and two. But if you want to kind of see the storyline and see the characters as they're introduced throughout the book series, you can open a different box every game and get new cards, get new 
kind of bosses, villains that you're fighting. And I think other components that pop out towards the end maybe too, but does it add new rules as it, as it expands? It does, but they're very minor. I don't, I think the first rule was added in the third chapter and all it did was give you one player power on your player mat so that Mm -hmm. we had kind of asymmetrical um, moves or powers that we could use once a turn or something like that. I do think others come into play, but they, I think they more than anything, they just ratchet up the difficulty for the first few games. You're just beating one boss. And I think by game three or four, you're, you need to beat three of them or up a face up at once. And all of the bad guys do bad things per round. So, you know, like classic cooperative games, bad things are happening to you every round. So all it does is makes more bad things happen. And can you deal with it quick enough? But yeah, great, great family gateway filler. Um, I wouldn't call it filler necessarily, but great gateway family game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, filler wise, I'd go with like Dale of Merchants. Mm. Where Dale of Merchants is a is a is a very silly, adorable uh, deck builder with with goofy animals, and each faction of animals has has their own style of play. And and like Dominion, you choose so many different animals to play with, and. Uh, and then you're buying and it's a different type of market because this has that sort of river market where right. you can buy uh the first card in the lunge like a line of five cards i think mm-hmm. and you can buy the first card closest for so much money but then uh the next one costs a bit more and the next one costs a bit more and the next one costs more so uh, as you as you want the card farther away it's going to cost you more and then whenever you buy it everything slides into mm-hmm. place and a new one comes out back in that most expensive spot right. but it's it's a short uh short short game really fast uh has has really i the first time i played it we played it wrong and so i was like this i don't i don't understand why people like this game so much <laughs> because it's ridiculous uh how simple it is to play and kind of pointless and then i was i think it was with you where we were playing it and I was trying to explain what I thought was wrong with the game and realized that what was wrong with the game was that I got rules completely wrong. Right. And then all of a sudden, Oh, it's a super fun game <laughs> and it's, it's a quick game. And, and the, you know, the animals are silly and the moves, uh, they try and tone them in. Like I just got an expansion that was like the something, uh, I have the, the box, I have the box. Beavers here. or something. Yeah. What are they called? What are they called? I'm opening the box. Oh, golly. Uh, never going to find it. Ah, I shouldn't have brought it up. They look like our stereo. Uh, they look like a Canadian the systematic stereotype. systematic Eurasian beavers. Oh, Eurasian beavers. Uh, are they wearing, they're down. wearing red and black plaid. Am I right about that? Yeah, they, they look very Canadian. Those are North American beavers. Yeah. That was true. So it's a it goofy one. Like, but it's, it's super light. It's a, great, it's a great filler and a great introduction, too. Yeah, it's a fun game. There's the uh, experimenting platypuses, the diligent <laughs> pale-throated sloths, intimidating dwarf crocodiles. This is Dale of Merchants 2 that I have. But yeah. they're all standalone, and they all mix together. And they just had a big kick Kickstarter last year, I think, where they did a, a big box of everything that's like Dale of mm. Merchants 3, but it, it sort of came in one box, and you can get one, two, and three in the same box now. Right. Something you mentioned there about the... Uh, it's worth mentioning um, going back to dominion, you know, dominion started things with that static market of 10 cards. Uh, and then very quickly after uh, games came out that changed up the market 
place as well. So like Dale of Merchants, like you mentioned, had a sliding market where you buy a card, it gets replaced at the end of the turn, the market slides. Uh, I think Ascension, it was the game that came after Dominion that very similar to Dominion in a lot of ways for what you're doing, um, but had this sliding market. So, you know, no longer could you look at the market and kind of figure out what kind of deck you were going to build. You, you kind of had the, the, you know, fly by the seat of your pants as, as cards were coming out turn after turn and i didn't really i've never played the physical board game but i played a bunch digitally and it uh it's a pretty cool pretty cool game but and then it seemed like a lot of deck builders for a while went went one or the other with either the fixed market or the sliding sliding market uh vikings gone wild does both where they have vikings gone wild uh is another ridiculous uh goofy game where you're you're playing villages of vikings and you get points by attacking uh, the other players, but you never damage. Nobody ever gets hurt. Right. You just attack them for points, and they can defend so that you can't get those points. But whenever you attack them, nothing bad happens. Except sometimes they steal your your resources. Yeah. But there's no damage. There's no. It's just a silly game. And in that, there's a, a static market where you buy new buildings and new defenses and new attack cards. But then there's a river of cards up at the top. That's I think it's actually called Odin's River. Right. And, the, and those cards come out randomly and when you buy them they slide over and, and get replaced that that one actually has both and is a is also a silly game and it has a, a solo expansion that we've never played huh. uh at all and that that would put it in a you know if you if you love vikings and want to learn a deck building game it's a super lightweight easy to learn goofy it's a, game it's a super fun, fun game. at four players for sure Really fun, and uh, actually, if if anyone is holding off on that game because they think it's uh, mean that you're attacking each other, because mm. um, we don't often play games that feature a lot of take that and confrontation, uh, and I, I was a little hesitant when we started playing that game, but it did not feel that way, like stealing beer from each other, and it's really kind of silly and and fun. It feels more like a it has a bit of a party vibe going on, even though it's. You know, there's some some rules and, and deck building going going on. I mean, what I mean by party wise, I don't mean party game, but it just feels like a party when you're playing that game, kind of thing. Um, uh, last time we were talking, I I wanted I liked pointing out that Ascension to me felt like uh, like deck building had came full circle. It it felt like it was the game that gave the nod back to uh, Magic the Gathering, right. where you had uh, Magic and then Dominion and then Thunderstone, which was the fantasy. Oh yeah, Mike Elliott dungeon crawl, uh, sort of based off of Dominion. Well, really based off of what Dominion did, and then turned into a dungeon crawl, <clears throat> and then Ascension was basically two wizards fighting each other again. Yeah. So it felt like, oh, it's a it's a completion of this uh, cycle now. Um, I don't know why I need to mention it again. It didn't feel as natural this time, but I felt like <laughs> I felt like it deserved that nod. And maybe it wasn't the first deck building wizard fighting each other game. It's just the first one that I knew about. No, it might not have, but I think it, you're right that it did uh, kind of circle back to magic. Because another thing that it did that I don't, I don't think Dominion does in its base game, uh, but it might in expansions, is allow you to play cards in front of you that don't get discarded at the end of your turn. Right. Um, so, you know, kind of like playing these player powers or what are they called in magic? Like lands or whatever they i don't i don't know magic thunderstone had like an animal card or something you'd get a totem or yeah. something yeah you get down. kind of like a familiar or yeah or and it would just stay till you used it 
yeah. then it would go away. But that's, I think, the closest that it came to any type of permanent guard. Yeah, Thunderstone very much modeled itself after Dominion. And, of, of course, I've mentioned Thunderstone a bunch on a previous podcast. Um, and two but, blog articles. And Yeah, if you, want, if you want to know about Thunderstone, go go check out our website and read my sordid love affair with it. Love letters to Thunderstone. It's one of my favorites. It will always it will stay there for whether it deserves it or not, just because of one one thing life. worth mentioning for Thunderstone uh, is it, it has three generations, right? So mm-hmm. uh, Mike Elliott's it's Mike Elliott, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first Thunderstone came out. Uh, I've never gotten to play the original Thunderstone. No, me neither. And then, it, and then it got cleaned up and re-released as Thunderstone Advanced, which was amazing, super fun. And I ended up buying uh, Numenera, which is yeah. uh, sort of a tie-in with Monty Cook's Numenera RPG universe. And uh, and we ended up together, and this is in, the, I think, our talk about it. We, we made a, a cross-genre right. uh, B-movie about <laughs> drunk dwarves fighting uh, the Numenera monsters invading. Uh, ridiculous nonsense. But it was a great a lot, time. A lot of fun. <clears throat> and and we loved that game and then uh thunderstone quest came out yeah and thunderstone quest has eclipsed it and has made it a really accessible game where yeah. we we were i mean we still can't get our friends to play thunderstone <laughs> <laughs> but the but the original thunderstones were were dense and trope heavy and if people weren't interested in that type of dungeon delve or that type of experience, they, they were not going to play it where no. dominion is, is really open with its uh, a, a medieval theme. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very easy to, to sink people into dominion uh, as generic. It might feel to some yeah. uh, because it doesn't have the dungeons and dragons vibe. It's a, it's a palatable cell where thunderstone was very specific and thunderstone quest uh, I think fixed a lot of that. As much as it's still yeah. a dungeon delve, it has created a really friendly rule set, a really friendly game, and is more fun to play. Uh, yeah. We we played it the first time whenever you got your Kickstarter, and then I got excited about Thunderstone again, and I went home and I tried to set up and play a solo game of Thunderstone Advanced, right. and I put it away. I I set it all up and I started playing. And I'm just like, and I just put yeah. it back in a box, and it's almost sad, but. No, I agree. I still have Thunderstone Advance sitting here with so many cards in it, and I know it, I'm never going to play it. And I, I still, I have, I have a hard time thinking about getting rid of it. But uh, yeah, Thunderstone Quest, you're right. It did clean things up quite a bit, and uh, I played a lot of Advance solo. And what it really added now recently, and it wasn't just Mike Elliott on Thunderstone Quest. I should say it was Brian Reese and Mark Wooten uh, got brought in for the. I think a lot of the maybe. I might be wrong in saying this, but a lot of the enhancements and changes. Um, but just recently this past year, they released a cooperative solo expansion that I had kickstarted, which really changed things up um, in that it introduced dice, um, a, a big, a bunch of dice that basically control the actions of the big boss that you're fighting, the guardian, uh, which really enhanced the solo play for me. And I think would be a lot of fun to get to the table again, because like you said, uh, Thunderstone, I think, could be perceived as a bit of a slog for some people because it can be slow turns and you're dungeon crawling and sometimes it takes a long time to get the hand that you need to beat the monsters that are available to fight at the at the moment. Um, but the cooperative version promotes simultaneous turns. So 
we all take the same turn when we buy cards from the market and we can all cooperatively discuss what we're going to do on our dungeon turn and fight. I haven't got to try it yet, sadly, but I, I think that could be an interesting experience as well. But yeah, if you're looking for a little heavier deck builder with a fantasy theme uh, or setting on it, it's, uh, I mean, I, this is the one I got to recommend for sure. And it, it is math heavy. You are doing yep. a lot of counting. It's, it's not power grid math heavy, but no, it's not the same kind of math where you're playing a game like, I don't know, Terra Mystica or, or something where you got to think 20 turns ahead to see if you're making your most effective moves. It's just yeah, every yeah, turn just you've got to do turn. a little bit of math. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's grade school math. It's like, okay, yeah. I have a nine plus a three plus a four and that's a 13. Ah, okay. Yeah. If I play this card, I double it, but then the bad guy's got a shield. So I take four off. Yeah. It's, and that's what annoys some people too, for sure. But I, why, why would you want to just collect victory points when you could fight skeletons and dragons? And on and, the uh, same sort of vibe uh, for dungeon crawling, there's Clank. Mm-hmm. And Clank is, Clank is ridiculously fun and it's more streamlined than Thunderstone Quest. Came out before Thunderstone yeah. Quest. Uh, came out as a dungeon crawler first. <clears throat> that is another movement-based uh, game similar to Quest for El Dorado. Yeah. Uh, the market in this one is just a giant stack of cards that come out randomly, but you get like six cards in a market, mm-hmm. but they're never the same. There's, I don't even know. There's a few of the same cards through the whole thing, and there's a few uh, sort of basic cards that are always there. And then there's just this massive pile of cards and monsters that come out in the same time. And, and your resources are either uh, money, uh, swords to fight with or feet to move with right. and and you're and it's a heist it's a great they're heist games uh where you're trying to sneak into a dungeon steal the most expensive thing you can get and get out uh before your friends do and hope that the dragon kills them and it has a it has a great thing where when you're doing that uh you're trying to sneak around but you will always end up making noise and the more noise you make puts you more in danger and so every time you make a, a clank noise, you have to put out one of your own personal cubes that yeah. go into a bag. And whenever a dragon attack is triggered, you randomly pull these cubes out of the out of the bag. And if yours come out, that becomes damage. And you if you take hit. too much damage, you don't make it. Yeah, it's interesting. That it. there's it's that, exciting. That bag uh, element. And we're talking about pool building and bag building. It's not like you're you're building your own personal uh, bag that, that does good things for you. Yeah. This bag collectively gets built uh, to hurt you throughout the game. Uh, just neat. That's fun. It's got some great stuff. And then it came out in space and right. and made it uh, maybe it Funnier. ratched up the difficulty <laughs> a little bit. Uh, made it more of a sort of a tense heist where you actually have to, it feels more like a heist in space where you have yeah. to like dis disconnect the security systems in order to even get where you're going and then and then escape and uh but yeah the jokes got funnier the gameplay is really i mean to understand it to play it it's just as simple but yeah it's it's a little bit more exciting maybe and then clank legacy which we've been playing and talking about constantly prior to social distancing yeah we we got about halfway through our legacy Mm -hmm. Uh, but it it ratched it up even higher where now you're playing clank and there's so much story uh built into it 
that has made the same simple gameplay uh, so exciting. Where I think I think a regular Clank game, once you, you everybody knows what they're doing, you can play in forty five minutes. Yeah, for and sure. And Clank Legacy, we're playing in about an hour and a half because there's so much story reading and and you're changing the board and and you're chasing down uh, the story instead yeah. of instead of just getting an artifact instead of just the heist. I'm really spending as much time as I can to try and see all the story that I can. So I'm not going to lie. It's going to be hard to play base game clank after we get through the legacy game. It's definitely a different experience. Well, I've heard people say, and I think Tom Vassell from uh, dice tower was one of them that his favorite clank game now is their finished legacy board. Mm. And I think at the end of that, because it is playable and we've been collecting, uh, the different uh what, what do they call them i want to say mentors but that's the wrong word mm. each game has a as a sort of an objective so oh, yeah. it's in our file folder and there's a there's a person like patrons or something patron or something yeah uh, and so each get so whenever we're finished you're going to have a group that will each one will change the game slightly for what you're doing mm-hmm. and then you'll have a sort of a unique board that that has changed you've a lot of them will be more similar than than some of the other games because the stickers do go down in specific spots most of the time. Yeah, but so much fun. fairly unique. You know, I have to um, have to say, I mean, we're just scratching the surface on the amount of deck builders that exist out there, especially in the, in board games. There's hundreds of them, if if not more. Um, and Clank is this Clank is this uh, dungeon delve. Um, where you're basically these mercenaries and these rogues going in and, 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 and stealing treasure. I have to mention that what I've been dishing my time into this past week has been a game called Slay the Spire, which is not even a board game at all. Um, and I was turned on to it because Jamie Stagmeyer posted on his Instagram feed that a bunch of people have told him to go try this video game, digital only, um, deck builder. And I was like, huh well, I'm stuck home alone. I'm going to try this out and read into it. And I was reading into it and I was surprised to see this game has been massively successful. It came out in 2017 from Humble Bundle, uh, which I love Humble Bundle. I've gotten so many good books and, and games and stuff from them. Um, it's got great reviews and it's it's spawned a bunch of kind of clones and inspired what a lot of people are saying is one of their new favorite video game genres that's combining rogue-like games of, you know, uh, racing into a dungeon, uh, permanent death if you die, and just killing and looting and trying to get as far as you can on a run into a dungeon uh, and combining those kind of games with deck building. That's your sole thing. So you start off, they just give you one character to start. That has, he's kind of a tank, kind of knight guy who has uh, reg, um, just a starting deck. And every time you beat a monster in this in a procedurally generated dungeon that they set up for you, uh, you can add a card to to your deck and you also get some some coins because you can go to a market a few few steps into the dungeon buy more cards or trash cards and yeah it doesn't last that long probably an hour an hour and a half one run will be but it's one of the best deck building experiences i've ever played i i can't uh i can't sing its praises enough i'm 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 gonna sink a lot of hours into this one uh, but I was really interested to see, again, we've only come a little more than 10 years and we've gone through, and again, we could talk for hours about all the different games. And now here we are at this video game era 
where more people are creating deck building kind of roguelike games and fighting games and dice building games that are that, that are video games and, and are doing different things that can't be done in board games which is which is cool and that and just in board games the way deck building has become where dominion started as that was the whole game and became sort of the blueprint of what deck building was now that has been wrapped up into other games as as simply a mechanic might not yeah. even be the core mechanic of the game and you have games like uh, tyrants of the underdark which is a, an area control game from uh, Wizards of the Coast. Uh, you have uh, Hyperborea, which is the, mm-hmm. the bag building game, which is another area control game. But it also has, uh, you're buying uh, cards mm-hmm. that you're powering cards. Uh, there's uh, Pret-a-Porte, which is fairly old, but just got a, I mean, it's new, but it's old enough that it's got a, a reprint r- yeah. recently, which is one of the more complex deck, but I think it's the hardest right. Uh, rating I could find mm-hmm. but it's a uh, it's a fashion industry uh, deck building game by Ignacy I- Trevichek yeah um, there's a study in Emerald which is a, a right. board movement uh, Neil Gaiman and Sherlock Holmes Cthulhu uh, yeah Martin trains. Wallace game right there's a trains game right trains trains a deck building train game in the series of and actually to go with trains for a second because uh, that's part of a trilogy right trains planes and automobiles I'm pretty sure yeah but they're they're such different games but the car the automobiles one I've yeah. heard uh, is really interesting is the bag builder where right, right. It's, a, it's a race game and and you're 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 pulling cubes out to determine you know your speed and whether you're gonna that's know, weird. Wreck and your then, car or something. And then planes is a Mancala game. Yeah. And it's kind That's of weird. kind of weird think, that. Yeah. Uh, one of the ones that I'm super interested in. Two of the ones that I haven't played yet that I really want to play is Arctic Scavengers, mm. uh, which is a neat post-apocalyptic, uh, and it it has uh, a weird mechanic of when you're trying to sneak around, you can create noise in that one too, and it it creates danger. Um, and the other one that I really would like to try is Super Motherload, which takes uh, Dig Dug sort of video game stuff and makes a, uh, a deck builder out of that. Yeah. And then, and then we didn't talk about Dice stuff or Quacks of Quedlinburg, which yeah. is a, a bag building game or Orléans too much. or Quarriers. Quarriers. Yeah, if I had a wish list of, of mine uh, to play too, I would uh, go with, I think... Mike Fitzgerald's Baseball Highlights 2049, the kind of futuristic baseball game. We have you can have robots on your team and stuff, which always reminds me of that old NES game, Base Wars, that I was obsessed with as a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, where yeah, your deck is you're building your team, and you can between games you can draft new players, and they go right into your starting lineup, and you get rid of old players. Uh, and also my probably one of my my Grail games, and we mentioned this in our last chat. I won't go into a huge thing about it. Is uh, uh, Martin Wallace is a few acres of snow about the kind of North American British French conflict that I think the first deck builder that had a board um, and your kind of two player um, war game where when you take take over a colony or, or, or a location you're adding cards to your to your deck which I really like to find that game some point. I think uh, baseball highlights should uh, should try and get uh, the rights for Futurama. And they should do oh, a, a Futurama baseball highlights with the uh, with the robot baseball and Futurama. That's a great idea. That'd be, that'd I, I'm going to write that down. I'd buy that. 
I've started thinking about IPs that I want, would love to see mashed into some of my favorite games, and that, that's a good one. That's pretty much it for time, though. Send us an email if you want at feedbackeverydaymeeple.com, uh, and then we'll see you next time. Well, we won't see you at all, but you know, we'll talk yeah. at you next time but, about board games and stuff. Yeah, go check us out online. Stay safe, everybody. Right. See you, Steve. See you, Mitch. Bye. Bye.